0: Welcome back to the Curiously Guided Podcast, the place for intuitive business owners and curious minds. We're your hosts, Mariah and Shay. And today, in this episode, we're talking with a good friend of mine, Michael Sype, and he is just, he's the fucking coolest, honestly. Uh, we got connected a couple months ago, and I kind of talk about how we got connected in the beginning of the episode, but basically... What me and Shay really enjoy about this episode and about Michael's genius is his practical, tangible, like really grounded approach to demystifying intuition and energetics. So Michael went from being like super corporate focused, having a military background, being super, what is it? Left-brained? Is that left-brained?
1: I always get him confused whatever the logical (laughs) side of the brain is. (laughs) Yeah. Whatever,
0: whatever that side of the brain is. So he, he went from being primarily like super strategic to then after stepping in and like working with people in leadership coaching, seeing that, like even people in the corporate world, the big wigs, the people like behind the curtain of these big corporations are having some trouble and need some help with their intuition. And Michael just explains and just gives really grounded examples and breaks down energetics in a way that's really like, oh shit, this is really approachable, but also the examples just allow for a lot of aha moments. Like in this episode, I remember him talking about the difference between two things and I was like, oh shit, that reminds me of like seven different things. And it just allows for a different perspective for healing to happen. And I do feel like in this episode, we do kind of bounce around a little bit because energetics and intuition, is, it's kind of a broad topic here, but our focus was really like, yo, how the fuck did you go from a rigid structured way of being to then being more curious and collaborative? Like that, that right there is, is kind of the juice. So this episode, I just, I I can't stop thinking about how helpful it is truly.
1: Yeah. And it really broadened my mind to like the stuff that you and I are talking about is the exact same style of stuff that Michael is helping his, you know, like fortune 500 CEOs with, you know, this idea of using compassion and curiosity to be a stronger leader is not just for the woo, you know, it's not just for the like hippie dippies. It's literally everyone is like really realizing, Oh no, this is real. There's data behind it. And we can kind of do this from a demystified place. That's really grounded and centered. And Michael is like that. Why we wanted to have him on is to just have a really like, a down-to-earth conversation about how do we as real humans tap into this power and use it to our benefit in growing our careers and businesses and being better leaders, whatever that looks like. Um, one theme that really resonated with me, we talked a lot about emotions. And, you know, um, honestly, a lot of us grow up not, not really knowing what to do with emotions. You know, we're all taught Especially, I think, um, some of our biggest leaders that emotion if you show emotion that can show weakness. So I think a lot of us our our natural reaction just kind of like stuff it down. And in this episode, we really get into the power of your emotions, how how to actually express your emotions in a healthy way. And in one thing I've I've learned since the episode is just um why this happens. And so it, it made sense to me to kind of think like in caveman times, it was really important to like be part of the tribe and be accepted. And if you were this like hyper emotional thing that was always sticking out and grabbing attention, that could literally threaten your survival. So we have this survival protection mechanism and program running in us on a deep level. Some of us do that emotions may not be safe and it may not be safe to show them. And this is something that I personally really resonate with and I'm working on myself right now. So I really loved, you know, Michael's it everything. I loved that we were able to nerd out in a lot of different directions, but particularly a talk around like emotions and, and how to use them as data points. Uh, and Mariah gives a really great example of how she processes emotions. And it was just very, very healing for me. And I've been thinking about it and obsessing about it since then. So I hope that it sparks something for y'all too. Um, with that, let's get into Michael's bio. So Michael Sype is a recovering Navy and airline pilot who frequently searches for the perfect longboard wave to surf. Yet, During his busier moments, he helps entrepreneurs upskill their productivity and find a sense of life fulfillment by integrating spirituality into their business. Michael is the owner of Sipe Coaching and Consulting and the COO of the Strategic Advisor Board, a small business consulting firm. With that, let's dive in.
0: Michael, thanks so much for coming on the podcast today. We're super excited to, to have this conversation and I think it's, well, I kind of already know that it's going to be great because a little bit of background here. So me and Michael actually got connected because I get every week, I get an email with like a roundup list of podcasts for me to like pitch myself to. And to be honest, I think I've pitched myself to maybe three of them in the past year. And then I saw Michael's come through and it was, what, what's the name of the podcast again?
2: Energy of Business Moments Podcast.
0: Yeah, I mean, and all the listeners can already tell what piqued my curiosity about that one. So I clicked on it and I kind of just pitched myself. I was like, I don't know, fuck it, let's just do it. And then he was like, oh my God, this is great. Emailed me back and then we ended up scheduling. And he usually does shorter little podcast episodes where they're like, what is it, like 20 20 to 30 minutes long maybe?
2: Exactly, yep.
0: Yeah. And then I think we ended up going 45 minutes and then maybe we wanted to go a little bit longer. And I think right on the spot, I was like, I haven't really talked to Shay about this yet, but like, you want to come on my podcast? I think that this, I think that this conversation is great. So thank you so much for saying yes. I'm excited to see kind of where, where this conversation goes. I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be really great.
2: Yeah, well, you know, that energy that we built in that connection uh, and then listening to some of your other podcasts and and Shay, your part in, in this just got me really giddy and like excited, like, oh, I cannot wait to get on this show. Like, we're going to have an awesome time. And uh, yeah, who knows where it's going to go, but I am really thrilled because it's just there's a meeting of the minds and this will be pretty interesting.
0: Dude, fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. Okay, so... Michael, you kind of started more in, like, the corporate side of things, doing, like, leadership coaching for executives, and obviously, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, but coming from that corporate side of things, and now you're kind of moving more into, like, the life coaching side, but, like, the way that you were helping the executives and leadership coaching started dabbling in like intuition and things like that, which when me and Shay talk about it, I guess when we think about leadership coaching for executives in the corporate style, we think that those people are like anti-intuition. Like they're just like intuition. (laughs) There's no ROI there. And like, we're just curious about like, how did this all unfold?
2: yeah well the quick answer to people who say oh yeah corporate men should not or people at the top don't have intuition don't forget that steve jobs said intuition is more powerful than intellect so
0: really what, oh, yeah. yeah okay cool.
2: so when you when somebody pushes back to me and says like hey I, I don't think intuition plays a role here it's not that's too woo or whatever i'm like okay well then you're going against steve jobs And do you (laughs) feel like he had any role in making Apple successful? And do you want to do that with your own company? You know, so, so that's the pushback, right? Um, Because it is valuable, but to answer your bigger question, like, yeah, corporate to this sort of life, life coaching kind of aspect of it. um, Yeah. My background is I was a military guy and then I had an engineering degree. And so I was super left-brained, very focused on, like getting things done, problem solving, that analytical mind. And uh, as I grew and did my career and, and moved up and did big consulting projects and things like that, uh, I was brought in for the leadership side of it. But the leadership side I found wasn't the problem solving and, and managing the tasks. It was actually like getting people to do things that they didn't want to do or building teams and, and getting a collaborative culture going. So uh, I found that actually I was coaching. I was helping people at a personal level more than I was helping on the getting things done level. And, um, and so that led me into, yeah, okay, well, I'm going to coach leadership. And that's where I transitioned into because that was just natural. I found that's what I was doing with most of my time. But um, the more I got into it, you'd be surprised how many people would privately say to me like, Hey um I'm struggling with this issue I have with my wife at home like I'm I'm forced to like go into like heavy drinking and I just I can't deal with the pressure at home and I'd be like where is that coming from and so for some reason I was presenting them with a hey this guy is somebody I can talk to about a personal challenge I have and I found that wow that's really kind of my strength is actually working with people on their relationships either relationships with colleagues with their boss with a spouse with a sibling like all of those relationship issues that come up so that's that's a little bit about you know how i transitioned out of that sort of rigid corporate military structure into something that's very right brain
0: it seems like you were really following your curiosity there of just like being curious about where this was coming from. And I, I kind of just want to put a spotlight on this really quick. It's like there, if you can hold a safe space, especially for men, it's so fucking needed, especially for dudes. Like, I guess I'm just reflecting on like all the guys in my life and it's like, I don't know I think that like my relationship with Andrew I think I might be the first person that can actually just hold space and I've just seen how he's grown through our relationship for me being able to do that and then I look at my dad and my brothers and I'm just like it is so needed because like most females like we I don't know it's natural to us for me to call a friend And be like, yo, this is what's happening. This is how I'm feeling, blah, 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 blah. Or like we get together and instead of going play golf, we talk about what the fuck is happening. We just talk because I don't know, it's just what we enjoy doing. So I just think that it's very needed for the dudes.
2: Oh my gosh. You know, the, the point there about like being needed The interesting thing for me is being an engineer, right? I'm programmed to think like, how do I solve this problem? And, and yet here's this riddle of men keeping things within themselves and not sharing and not opening up and, and yet. They feel the same things we do. In fact, they're feeling the same things they felt 500, 1,000, 2,000, or 3,000 years ago. Those feelings haven't changed. It's just in today's society, we can't show that or we can't show it as much as we used to. Now, we're, we're getting better at it, but, but the riddle for me is more like, hey, what are the ways to create that space? What's the way to create that bond? What's the way to create that openness and dialogue that they can like, relate to? Uh, so that it's not something that's like way out there that actually it's something that they can use and and work with and bring into their life. So your your point about Andrew, like, giving that him that space. Um, yeah, it would be great if we could do that even more for other people.
1: So, you know, as I was reading through um, your information, Michael, there was one phrase in particular that jumped out at me. And I'm wondering if that relates to this. You wrote something about the problem with vulnerability. Can you take us there? What does that mean?
2: Yeah. So when we think of vulnerability, right, we think of Brene Brown and how she like pioneered that space of, of vulnerability and, and being vulnerable. And, and, and so that's wonderful because what we're doing is we're getting in touch with our feelings. We're, we're being able to be allowed to express those things that maybe we aren't supposed to because society says we're not supposed to or our parents told us we're not supposed to. Um, or maybe we're like fearful that somebody's going to jump down our throat because we're sharing that information, right? So, so that's great to, to help that because the awareness of those problems or those challenges helps us tap into, hey, everybody else is out here. I, I can reach out and maybe get some help. So that's great to, to talk about vulnerability. But the problem that I see sometimes is that when somebody is sharing with us then sometimes we will say to them after they said something, we might say like, Oh, thank you for being, being vulnerable. And, and that's not what needs to be highlighted and thanked. What they need to be thanked for is thank you for being open and being strong to share something that you weren't feeling strong about sharing about. And that took guts, that took something to be able to do that. So, so, when we are in that space where somebody's sharing something that we might think is vulnerable, they may not think that. And so we're passing judgment on them that they're, that they're um, weak or that they're, you know, they've got a problem or they're different or whatever. So that's, that's the caution I have about, about our vulnerability.
0: Holy shit. I I never, I guess like, as you were saying it, and uh as you said the word like thanks so much for being vulnerable. My insides were just like, ugh, that's such like a like a write-off after somebody spills their heart or shares something. And it's like I never really noticed that energetic feeling that I guess I get when people say that. And I mean, I'm I'm sure that I've said that in the past to people like, thanks so much for that. But it feels like belittling. It feels like you're talking to a kid about like, good job, Jimmy, you did X, Y, and right. Z. And it's like, uh, can you meet me with a similar openness?
2: Yeah. Can you validate that that feeling is normal? You know, that's what they really want. That's when we share with somebody, we want to be validated. We want to acknowledge that feeling and say, hey, that's normal. And gosh, if I were in that space, I'd be the same way. Oh, thank God. It's not just me.
1: Mm that I remember when I first started therapy years ago, just having someone say that makes sense was like mind blowing to me. I felt just like it was, it sounds so simple, but I felt so supported. And now I bring that in. I do think there's something powerful about validating people where they are with what they're feeling and just sitting there with them. You know, I appreciate you talking about like, I- I'm doing some work around like Gifts, you know, and in this world, I've noticed that I'll have sales calls with people, and they're telling me their deepest life secrets, and I'm like, "How did we get here so fast?" And I didn't realize, you know, that is like a a genius that some of us have. For me, it's always come naturally. Like people have always just like strangers are coming up to me sharing things. Like it's always happened like that. But you, I appreciated you reflecting on that as like, no, that's like a gift I have, and I bring to this world. And and I'm wondering about the pivot for you. So that is very different from military engineer left brain. What did it look like for you? I also would probably call myself, I've done the journey from maybe left to right <laughs> um, or bridge the gap perhaps. Um, what that look like? How, how was that like working through like, all right, was there, I'm imagining there's some like identity shifting stuff. Cause it's like, I am an engineer. I look at the world in black and white. So how did you start yourself to pivot more into the, the intuitive space? You know, there.
2: That's a really good question, and you're talking about gifts before and like recognizing your gift, mm-hmm. and and oh, hey, that is kind of a gift. I'm creating a space for somebody. So, the the I think for me, what was interesting was I had always had these little feelings like being empathic, like I just kept it bottled inside of me. I recognized it, but I didn't do anything with it. So I had these skills for for a long time, but society or just the structure of the organization I was a part of didn't really allow for it. Um, but as I moved along and started meeting people and trying to like listen a little better, it was listening for what was behind what they were saying. You know, why were they talking about that past experience? What like what that past accomplishment was. Oh well maybe it actually is their way of validating themselves and saying oh i'm competent at what i'm doing and and so the more i was listening to the why they were saying it like simon sinek talks about like why were they saying that then i started like paying attention to the person and it went from the topic to the person and that's where i was like well if i'm how do i learn more about that and that's where i found out about the energy leadership coaching And energy is defined as the thoughts we think plus the emotions attached to those thoughts and then the behaviors or actions we take because of that thought and that emotion. So for example, Shay, if somebody said to you like, hey, that copy you wrote last week is awful, like what's the potential thoughts? Like you can have a whole bunch of different thoughts and emotions attached to that. But what if you're like, okay, my thought is, wow, I, that was a wrong set of copy. Like I I did that wrong. Then the emotion might be like embarrassment. And then their behavior or the result or the action from that might be like our face flushes or we get defensive or we get combative. Like, how dare you say that it was wrong? That was my best ever. Like, so the thought plus the emotion plus the behavior and action that drives our personal energy level. And once I got taught that, that's when I began like, oh, it was like the heavens opened up. Like I can understand why people are saying what they're doing because I zero in on their energy. And then for you guys, like I'd be curious, like, you know, we, with your human design and study of the personality and how that's developed, like there's an interesting play between the personality and then the moment, in the moment of the energy that they're bringing. So what, what do you guys think?
0: Um, my brains are scattered on the wall. I love when you give examples of these fucking levels because I'm just like, yeah, yeah. I think that it's all fascinating, right? It's all interwoven because if one system or if one framework answered all of the questions of life, we would all be bored. And so it's like, I feel like there's different tools and different frameworks and different resources for people at different levels where they're at. And like different ways of explaining it. And when me and Michael had a call so I could learn more about like the energy levels and everything, I was like, this gives like concrete, tangible information and words to things in a way that I haven't seen before. And I think that it's so helpful, especially when we're talking about like a a situational or like a direct conversation where you can be like, oh, that is reminding me of this, which is reminding me of that. And I just think that it's like a really tangible tool to be able to see things like that. Mm.
1: You know, that was a big um, aha moment for me too, Michael. I learned about that concept in a slightly different way, but I think it's similar. Have you heard of the idea of like have, do, be, and then be, do, have? Does that make sense? So, yes. Yeah. It's it's a cycle. yeah. So a lot of us approach life as like, I have to have this before I can do this, before I can be that person. But really we need to flip right. it. Who do I need to be? And then how does what does that person do? And I, I might be flipping these around, but it's all about starting with who you are. Right. And so, and right. I love like, it, it connects my thoughts, my feelings, and my actions. And I saw a really powerful coaching example where she took somebody and she's like, what's the thought? What's the feeling? What action is that causing? And she's like, okay, now what do you want the action to be? It really gives you a nice framework to like, see how thinking is related to like real life results. And so I really, really loved that. And, you know, honestly, Michael, to be selfish, I am excited to have you on this podcast to talk about energy in particular, because I feel like the energetics of business is really, really powerful. It's a really strong tool we can leverage. It's something that's difficult to talk about because it immediately, when I start talking about all the energy, people get immediately like, that's too woo, you know, like, and so I really appreciate you have a very grounded perspective and way of explaining things. Would you mind, like for me, even just hearing like the energetics behind things can be a little like Fluffy, would you mind telling us, like, what is energy to you and like, how have you been using any of your work?
2: Yeah, good question. So for, for people that don't know there there's, uh, the energy is defined again as the thoughts plus the emotions, plus the actions or behaviors we take. And so there are two types of energy, personal core energy, and that is the catabolic where it's a destructive negative kind of energy. And there are two types and then there's the anabolic, the positive or building kind of energy. And so, for example, um, in business, if you have a sales team, what are they taught? They're taught that, hey, when you talk to a customer, understand what their pain point is. Well, what's the pain? It's some sort of emotional pain, like, you know, hey, I can't get my baby to sleep at night. So, how do I? find a product that will allow them to sleep at night. Okay. So so you've identified the pain point, but more importantly, it's not just the fact that the baby can't sleep at night. It's because the mom doubts that she's able to be a good mother to be able to get the baby to have a normal life and sleep well. So the pain point carries a certain amount of energy. There's an emotion there, fear of judgment, fear of not being a good mom, whatever whatever that concern is, right? And so that's an energy. That right there is the energy. And then it manifests in different ways. So sales teams are taught to like, hey, understand what the pain is and then talk about how our product or how our service is gonna solve their pain point, right? So that's the obvious example of it. But then the flip side is like, okay, well, what if you're a boss? What if you have a bunch of employees under you? Well, you're taught to be not just a manager, but to be a leader. Well, what does a leader mean? Well, a leader means that you can relate to your people, but either people next to you as a colleague so that you can share or maybe be inspiring to your employees. So the part about inspiring employees, I mean, you have to get in touch and get to know them and getting to know their challenges. And that goes back to the part you were talking, we were all talking earlier about listening. Are we acknowledging and validating their struggles? if they are like really frustrated that one of the vendors or suppliers that's supposed to get stuff to their company in time to make the next product is late and they've been late for 20 times, well, understanding and giving them the ability to vent and then, Oh, by the way, Hey, how can we help you? How can we come up with a way to solve this problem? Oh, you've actually got a solution already. Well, let's talk, let's hear it. You know, so creating that energy where you can say, Hey, I have an employee who has that challenge and they came up with a solution on their own. I'm going to now acknowledge that because they were being creative. They tapped into a way of solving something. And I want to support that. I want to encourage that. So I'm going to reward them. I might tell the other team members, Hey, look what Jane did. Like she got thought outside the box and came up with this solution. And, and so we're fostering an environment where we're rewarding the energy behind on, on the positive side, so so that's an example of sort of the negative energy and then the positive energy.
1: Well, and then I think the next part of this, you're doing it with your finger, is like there's a a, a momentum being built, right, in one direction or the other.
2: Yeah, there are different energy levels. So so for example, um, you know, level three is the one just out of being catabolic. There's still a little bit of catabolic energy, but level one and two are the the negative ones. It's the the victim or the anger, the fighter fighter. Um, you know, fight mode. But then, level three is a sense of responsibility. Level four is compassion. So when we start thinking less about ourselves and thinking more about others, we have the opportunity to be compassionate. Uh, level five is like, okay, hey, we're all in this together. So how can we team together? How can we collaborate and work together? Because we we see ourselves as a team. But as you're talking about spiraling up, level level six is where we start tapping into our intuition because where we've enlarged our consciousness to more than just the immediate people around us. We're starting to see the whole world. We're starting to open up and become more conscious of everything else. And and that's when we start tapping into the non-local intuition where, hey, where did that idea come from that was completely out of the blue? Like getting in that space where we are calm and like doing a meditation before a podcast would be a perfect example of creating that level six where you can have wonderful inspiration come in and then level seven is like this ultimate like uh, you know super creative like there's nothing good or bad just everything is as it is for a reason and being at peace with it now the problem with that in business is like you can become very aloof you can miss some of the challenges and not acknowledge that those challenges or something need to be dealt with so so there's some advantages and disadvantages for each energy level but we fluctuate throughout the day i'm sure you can think of ways we've Fluctuate throughout the day with those energy levels.
0: Yeah, I'm glad that you brought in the aloof part of it because in my head, I was like, you know, I did try to run a business like that where I was like, I'm just going to stay up here. And then I was like, I'm floating away. Somebody grabbed my ankle. Like it's fucking over. I, I need to be grounded back down. And I think also the awareness of like Just like we fluctuate in emotions every day. We fluctuate in energy levels and it's not good or bad. It's just fucking human. Like, it's just the way that it was created on this earth. And I've said it before in the podcast, like, imagine if we knew exact, like, all of the answers that we were searching for. We knew exactly why we came to this earth, what our gifts were, what we had to do. How fucking boring. Our minds would be so bored that it'd be like, yo, this literally feels like I'm playing a video game that I like beat when I was five, like I'm tired of this video game. So that's why I think that there's so many things that are interconnected and a little bit more um, expansive, and more harder to pin down even with language, because it's like, that's how it's supposed to be. We're not supposed to have the answer of life at our fingertips. That's the journey of being able to figure it all out. But what I did want to kind of just to put a spotlight on here for a second is when you were defining leader, you use the word relate. And I don't think that I've ever heard that defined with that word before, but especially as we're moving into, I don't know, I, I like to say that like the the world is shifting but in a way that puts more emphasis on like us taking our personal power back and like leaders need to lead in a different way than they've done in the past and I think that that's a really good word to throw in there of like how can we relate because we can't collaborate we can't really connect without relating to each other and I guess I just think of, like, old bosses that I've had before, and I'm like, mm, maybe I, I can't define, like, they were technically a leader, but I can't actually define them as a leader because they never wanted to relate, never could relate, couldn't be at that space of, like, actually being a true, grounded, and empowered leader. I guess those are the words that I want to put before leader that kind of maybe expresses new way of leading. Um yeah, I just think that using that word relate, it's such a small word with so much power behind it.
2: Yeah, you're you're absolutely correct. And and way to pick up on that point because f- for relating, we're relating to other people. Just like you were saying, like everything is kind of happening for a reason. Like there's a bigger picture going on. And who are we to judge somebody else's life? So if we can understand, like, oh yeah. Um, they they have a reason for doing that. Well, now I can relate to it, right? And now I can understand that that's the way that person is, either personality-wise or that's their tendency or, oh my gosh, they were raised to do that or they went to a certain school and that's how they were trained. Like if we understand why they're doing something the way they're doing it, then that gives us an opportunity to, as a manager, be a leader and go, okay, do I need to put a new training program in place for this person so that we can get them to where we need them to be in performance? Or is it no, like maybe they're not geared for sales. Maybe they actually would be great at customer service. So they've got some great talents, but maybe they're just not aligned in the right spot. So we'll just move them over here because, oh my gosh, I found out that they really like talking to people and they're really good at making people feel good. So maybe customer service would be a perfect spot for them. So, so your part about relating is when we can relate, then we can see opportunity as a leader for where our people can be aligned and then where they can contribute the most.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think that those are really good examples. Um, and I, I do want to bring this up just because we've talked about it in a previous conversation that we've had kind of off camera, but these... Um, levels that you're talking about, th- this was kind of a, a huge aha moment for me, is when you made the connection that compassion and empathy are different. Can you kind of talk about the difference between those? Because I that was like a huge like aha moment for me.
2: Yeah. So for, for those who don't know, the energy level four is the concern level. And so typically the emotion that comes out of that generally speaking, is compassion. So compassion is you know caring for that other person, right? But empathy is appreciation or pathos for that situation or where that person is at the moment. In other words, relating, right? Now, both are fine. Both are good. There's nothing good or bad about either one. It's just that they're different. So So what that translates into is in compassion, you might see another employee or a coworker, and you might be like, hey, um, you're having a challenge with that. I want to help you. Okay, so that's a compassionate tendency that we might have. But if you realize, oh, that person has got some karma that they've been bringing with them for most of their life and what's manifesting right now, that problem that they're having right now is because of all that karma or because all those choices they made previously in life. Leading up to that moment, and so maybe I can appreciate that they're going through this challenge right now because of that, and maybe I don't need to help them, but I just need to acknowledge that that's where they are, and that's the empathetic piece. And if they, you know, you want to help them become aware, okay, that's one thing. But if you want to help them, that's a different different thing. So that's the difference there between empathy and and compassion, from what I've seen.
0: Yeah. And I guess I just uh, think about it in terms of my brother. So like me and my brother are like technically very close and uh, I have compassion for where he is and who he is and everything like that. But it was really shifting our relationship or at least um, allowed me to create empowered boundaries when I moved from compassion to empathy, Mm -hmm. when I was like compassion, because I would fucking spend all my time trying to put out fires that weren't mine. And you get burnt out. Yeah, I'm like lighting myself on fire at that point. I'm just like, oh my God. So moving from compassion where it's like, I don't need to help you. This is like, this is your shit to figure out, but not in like a, this is your shit to figure out. No. But in like a, uh, I love you so much that I think that you're going to be able to figure out where you need to grow and how you need to grow and like me just being there and being myself and like holding space if he needs it is good enough i don't need to come in and save the day anymore
2: yeah and and so what you are doing right there you are empowering your brother now
0: well here's debatable uh, on some level. Debatable. <laughs> no, almost, yeah,
2: debate probably but but here's here's the here's the thing though right is is um Sometimes people are choosing to be a victim and they are, we know how our neuroscience, like you guys have studied neuroscience. We are wiring our brain every time we think the same thoughts and the emotions that we make those neural nets stronger, right? So that's our default program. And so if we want sympathy from somebody else and we are craving sympathy because that's the drug that we're wanting internally in our brain, then we're going to latch on to that sort of victim or I lose or I, I I need help mentality so that we can draw in the compassion to feed as the drug to feed the the desire for sympathy. So if we're cutting that off, we're actually helping them potentially. And then more importantly, we're saying, okay, well, what are you going to do about it this time, big brother? You know, what, what can you do to shift out of that? Uh, wait, you're not going to help me? No, I think you got it. Oh, you think I can do it? Yeah. I think you can do it. Oh, Well, maybe I can do this. You know, so so that's the power of empathy is 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 being able to get people to see that hey they can change themselves, that they can be empowered to to shift their out of where they are energetically.
0: And in a family dynamic, it is very difficult. I will say that it is multi-complex and multi-layered but yeah I would say that um that was just a big aha moment for me it was just seeing the difference between them and I guess like how I needed to take personal responsibility for how I was kind of fueling the fire and lighting myself on fire um i th- so i I do have a question in terms of making decisions Do you use this to help people make decisions? Because like, obviously as business owners, we have this podcast, a lot of our listeners are business owners, and we have a lot of decisions to make.
1: And like, Mm -hmm. we're leaders
0: of our own business, even if we don't have employees, we're like the leader of, I don't know, ourselves and our mission, right. And our passion and whatever that means for us. So can you kind of dive into just like decision making how can we make it easier on ourselves is there tools is there ways to think about things that could maybe uh ease decision analysis paralysis or something
2: yeah it really depends obviously on the type of person but um and, and how you approach solving it but but i i, I I was just talking to a guy this morning on a call and explaining to him about how to make better choices for, he was changing careers. And so he was evaluating some job offers. And, and so I said, hey, stop stop being a dude. Stop thinking like, okay, pros and cons. Stop being so left brain. Let's talk about it. How would you feel if you were in that job? How would you feel as a person in that position? And, and so he started rattling off more pros and cons. I'm like, no, no, no how would you feel like, would you like getting up out of bed in the morning to go to that job? Um, Oh, oh, I see what you mean. So we, we started talking about like, what were the emotions you'd feel about that? And, and why? And so, so, um, so what it was, was, okay, we're going to lose, use our left brain, we're gonna use the logical side. And then we're going to tap into our emotions. Like, are we fearing something? Are we fearing that we're not going to, make enough money doing that particular new venture. And so it's a big risk. And so there's actually some fear here. so we're not going to choose it because of that fear. Um, so the emotion behind it, positive or negative is needs to we need to be aware of. And then the third thing uh, is that curiosity. It's that intuition. So so that's where I, I say, okay, to be holistic about our decision making, we need to think about, the logical side, we need to think about the emotional sides and we need to think from an intuition perspective. What does our gut say? Like what do, when you first heard the idea, what was your gut instinct? And and then you moved on to start rationally thinking about whether it's going to work or not. And so you just turned off your intuition. So, so tuning into the intuition. And then the other part, as you guys know, is like when you get into that space where you've cleared things out of your mind, that's when non-local intuition comes in. And so, if we can be at peace, then then we have access to the non-local intuition, where you call it your you know your your guardian angel, whether it's your higher self, you know whether it's God, you know watch me like whomever. If that's who's communicating with you, or that's how you get communication, well that that can be pretty powerful too. So so I say like, hey, you can't do it every time. Think about not just the logic side of your choice, but think about the emotion. And then if you're in a safe space mentally, then you're going to be able to tap into your intuition. And quite often that intuition's spot on.
1: Okay, Michael, you have a client come to you and say, so I've heard Steve Jobs really said intuition was important and I feel really weak. I want to strengthen my intuitive muscles. What do you tell them to work on?
2: Yeah. So, for um, the best way I think to get people to do that is to ask them, Hey, when was a time in your life where you were like, I knew it? I knew it. I made the wrong choice, but I knew it at the beginning. Okay. Well, what was it that you knew? Where did you feel it? How did you notice it? And then they, and then each person is different, but I, but they take them back to a previous example in their life. like well what were you doing then how were you were you sitting down were you standing were you were you in the shower Were you relaxing like when did you when did you get that and then how did it show up for you and and each as we know like you can't potty train all at the same time at like a year and six months like you everybody's different so everybody's intuition access is a little different but you know for a lot of people um the heart will sense it first we walk into a room and we can feel the energy of a room right and and it's our heart you know we've got 40,000 neurons in our heart well that's a mini brain and it's got an electromagnetic field around it and so if we walk into a room and we feel some that's our heart feeling it and then it sends a signal up to our brain and then our brain sends it down to our gut and we feel it actually in our gut but it was our heart that sensed it so so it all happens obviously in a fraction of a second but for a lot of people, they say, "Yeah, that's why we call it gut instinct. It's because we're we're tapping into, you know, something just doesn't feel right, or something felt amazing. Like the moment I heard it, like I knew. Well, how did you know? Well, I probably felt it down here. So anyway, those are some ways that that I try to help on the intuition side.
0: Uh, what a incredible. fantastic uh, answer. <laughs>
1: We really love tangible, like, okay, what would you say exactly? And that was it. That was so good. And I really, there's something powerful about making your own bank of possibilities, like your own examples of, oh, that was a moment I had an intuition strike and then connecting it with a feeling. And this is how I felt. I love that question. Where did, where did I feel it in my body? I'm like, oh yeah, like that is so good. And if you can reconnect with that, you're like, oh yeah, this I think people think like intuition is something you have or you don't have. And so when you can go through and think of those times, and I think intuition signals for people differently. And Ryan can speak more to that than I can. Like human design can give you some insights into how you get your intuitive hits. But like, I, I, there's something really cool about reminding yourself of in the past, this is how this has shown up for me before. And then that makes it that much easier to notice it when it's happening in your life or opportunities to practice, you know?
2: Yeah. Oh, and that's how we learn, right? So, so we, we, there's a part of our brain that makes association, and so we can read a textbook, we can sit in the classroom and get a lecture, but it doesn't really sink in until we make that association. And so, so you can do it in the moment, like you can take a life lesson that's front and center, like in your face, and go, "Hey, how are you feeling right now?" Oh, oh, I didn't notice but now I'm noticing. So you can do it in the moment, or you can actually go into the past and and pull an an example from the past to make that association. But it's so important to take the idea and associate it with something that is meaningful, like you said, to the person.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: The emotion. You know, I teach a lot about sales and kind of modern selling and it and i'm always surprised everything comes back to your why what's the why simon Sinek? start with why and then the other thing is the emotional piece and so what we're learning about selling it's all emotion we've spent all of history thinking people are making logic decisions when they're buying no they're not it's all emotion and leadership it's the same thing it's like there's this deeper level and so i love everything you've said you've always connected it back to how does it feel and how does it feel in your body? And that sounds so basic, but I don't feel like that's a skill that's taught ever, you know? Um, I just surely didn't learn that at school.
2: Yeah, no, t- not at all. I mean, you think of ancient traditions, and they definitely did it back then. Why are we not doing it now? And and maybe it's part of this, like, <laughs> there's some people that believe that we're moving out of a sort of a masculine period into a, more of a feminine period. And that's really this awakening to the getting in touch with ourselves. And this isn't like woo woo, like touchy feely stuff. No, this is like tangible. It actually can be. It's just that we've had this conditioning of stiff upper lip, like you can't take crap, like fight this, you know? And well, we throw all of that intuition, all that um, energy of emotion and, and feeling out the window and No, you can't throw it out. There's so much information there.
1: So many valuable data points.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so many. Just wanted to slide in here mid episode and fill you in on some cool things quick. So, we are in our third season of Curiously Guided, and there's nothing that fires us up more than making this podcast and hearing all the positive impacts it's having on our listeners. Up until this point, this has been a pure passion project, but we've got bills and expenses for this podcast, y'all. If you have the means and would love to support us in creating new episodes, feel free to head over to CuriouslyGuided.com slash support to buy us a coffee.
1: And if you want even um, a deeper dive, we're excited to offer, we're going to now um, start doing some strategy sessions where you get both Mariah and I's brains on your business. And um, there's nowhere else in the world where you can, We Mariah and I both don't work with people in such micro ways. So this is kind of a cool thing to get both of us looking at your business in kind of like a one-off strategy session. Just imagine us two and you together diving deeper on your business business, marketing, sales, and everything in between, um, all while filtering it through the lens of strategy, energetics, and energetics, which you know is our style. So if you want to learn more about what working with Mariah and I could look like, head on over to our website, curiouslyguided.com session to get the details. Thank you guys so much for hanging out with us. We appreciate you so, so much. Now let's get back into the episode.
0: Yeah, I'm just, I guess, thinking about my own personal experience about growing up in childhood about like emotions were unsafe. They just were like, I remember being, it's funny because I think I've told a little bit of the story on the podcast before, but it's like, when I was a kid, I remember like loud yelling has like always triggered me to cry, like always. And so my parents would like speak up and I would cry and they'd be like, yeah. what are you crying about? And then I would just run upstairs. I remember my mom even sometimes being like, go upstairs and you can come back down when you're done crying. And so to me, it was like, crying is unsafe. People can't handle my emotions. And then Of course, not ironically, it comes out in my relationship, right? Like Andrew's very Capricorn and he's just like emotions logically, like he can like go through his emotions a little bit more logically than I can. Me, I'm just like crying. And he's like, why are you crying? And I'm like, haven't figured it out yet. Like I'll fucking let you know when I know, because right now I don't fucking know. But it's like, I remember growing up and like, there was no safe space being held. I didn't realize that emotions were data points. I thought that it was, it was weak. I was a weak child that was too emotional and sensitive and couldn't handle authority or people, whatever, like talking at a high level voice at me. I just fucking shattered. And so I do think strengthening this muscle. And like she said, it is such a simple question. Just the simple question of like, how would you feel? Like you asked your client simply, it's a very simple question. Like, how would you feel in these roles? And what is his initial reaction to list off more pros and cons? Because that's how conditioned we are to move away from the emotion. And it's like, no, how would you feel? And you're like, well, logically, I would feel that uh, my bank account would increase. And it's like, no, (laughs) give me deeper depth than that and like, Uh, When I would hang out with my friends, it's like, I remember I would always be the person to be like, yeah, but how would you feel? Like, how does that feel? How did that make you feel? And I was like, at this point, I just sound like a therapist. Like, how does that make you feel? And it's like, "But, but truly, like, how does that make you feel? And like, when you ask somebody that question, when you're coming from a space of curiosity, they just open up. It just mm-hmm. it's a question that just allows people to like, oh fuck, how how do I feel? And it's like allowing them to put words to the things that are happening in their inner world. And I just think that it's it's such a muscle that really does need to be strengthened because that's where our power comes from.
2: It does. It, it, we become more aware, right? And we're we're increasing our consciousness when we do so. Um, you know, I was thinking about like your Parents yelling at you, and then you running upstairs to you know like don't cry with us, you know get out of here. <laughs> you can come back when you're done crying. Well, well, what you were reacting to, right, was their emotion. They were angry, and they were angry at you, right? So maybe that made you cry more because now mom and dad are angry at me, right? Everybody so, hates me. Everybody hates me, right? Right. So I can't be emotional, right? And so how many generations as our civilization, at least Western civilization been like reinforcing this idea that that you shouldn't have emotions i oh my gosh guys like i was just reading harvard business review there they have a monthly publication and they had an article in there about like how to hide how to uh control your emotions no so so that you don't yeah like it was a topic that was like the, the title and i was like no 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 what they were what i found was what they're saying is Basically, there are some negative emotions and you have to be aware of them. But what they were saying is they're lumping all emotions in and saying, like, hey, if it's a fear emotion, then all emotions are bad because it's a because they're laboring fear as all emotions. But no, there are many emotions, like think about joy or think about gratitude, or think about compassion. Like all of those emotions are actually very normal. And we experience them. Now, we, all we have to do is start to acknowledge them. And when we acknowledge those emotions, then we create awareness around those emotions. Then we start answering the Simon Sinek question, right, Shay, of like, why are they having that emotion? Or why am I feeling that emotion? And and I think there's a sort of an inverse relationship with fear and love. And, and I'm not talking about the, eros kind of love. I'm, I'm talking about sort of the Greek agape kind of love where the lower level, the more fear there is, the less love. And then the more love there is, there's the less fear. And so as we move up energetically in our vibration of our emotions, the closer we get to that absolute and pure love. And so when we are talking with people and listening to people and you know, having a sales conversation, right? What we're trying to do is relate to them And the more we can show love in some form expression of an emotion, the more we're creating that space for them to become aware or to be trusting. And then that allows us to have a closer bond. We feel connected. We feel like, hey, this person kind of understands me. And and so we're not ignoring the emotions. We're actually harnessing them. And and if if it's a fear emotion, okay, well, how do we deal with that?
1: What's popping up for me right now and it kind of ties in Mariah's story is I think a lot of us are taught to like be lonely with our emotions like we are taught to run up in the room and deal with it on your own and don't be seen with that because you are weird and we don't feel that and so a lot of us feel like we are the only one struggling with these things and what you're saying is so empowering of when you hear someone else describe exactly what your like mental suffering has been around you're like. I'm not the only one who feels that. And just that awareness, the community, the we're all in this together, kind of that non-local connection we all have, like you were speaking about earlier, Michael, that I think is where all of this becomes a lot lighter. All of a sudden my shoulders like <laughs> go down. It doesn't feel as heavy and like just me.
2: Yeah, you lighten the load. You totally lighten the load when you're when you're doing that. And um, and what's the you know, if you talk to CEOs or entrepreneurs? their number one challenge is that they feel alone not lonely there's a difference between lonely and alone but they do feel alone right and so you're right the emotion is the key like does somebody else feel the same way I do and oh my gosh they do that's why some of our masterminds that we do is really not so much to teach somebody new in our masterminds it's what we do is we're trying to create the hey we're in this together that community you're talking about and that is strengthening and uplifting and gets us out of those lower energy levels up into the higher energy levels
0: yeah and i think that there's something really beautiful about community and i'm just thinking about like in uh in 2020 me and shay were part of a like a community for business owners and i remember That like, that's when this showing my emotions thing would keep coming up. And I swear to God, almost every call that I was on in 2020, it was like me crying in front of a fucking group of people. And I'm just like, oh my God. And at first it was horrifying. I was like, Mm. they're going to think that I'm ridiculous, that I'm weak, that I'm whatever, but it was a safe space. And honestly, I couldn't stop crying if you fucking paid me to, but I remember I'm crying and I'm expressing myself and everything. A, it got easier as like when you, and I'm not saying that you got to go on stage and cry in front of people in order to work through this, <laughs> but that's kind of the the lessons that I was handed. I, I typically get more um, intense lessons of how to build these muscles, but the the community aspect of allowing people to see me and that was very healing for my inner child and also exactly what you're saying, Michael, It made me realize, because I'm looking at these comments of like, as I'm talking, people are like, oh my God, I felt that way. Oh my God, I feel this. Oh my God. Like, yes, absolutely. I totally feel this. I'm the same way. I had a similar thing. And then you read these comments and you're just like, wait, like, this isn't such a big deal. Like, this is like, people are seeing me and then they're also seeing themselves in me to where it creates a connection point which is amazing for healing, knowing that you're not alone. And then the other thing is that it invites other people to start sharing openly because it's like, if Mariah can fucking cry on camera with 20 people staring at her, then I can do that too. And like, that's how we start to unravel the uh, push down of emotions. I think is truly like the community aspect.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And, and so creating that connection, right, is so important and and having something that you can connect on, right? And so that emotion there was something people related to. But we think about like all the other burdensome kinds of emotions. So what we think of when I was talking about fear, like it could be um, fear that I'm going to run out of funds and not be able to pay my employees, or I'm not going to be able to launch this new campaign, or like there are all of these like it can be frustration, right? It can be anger. Like th- these are these negative emotions that we have. These are the destructive ones. And what happens, right, over time, is no kidding. Those emotions get stored in our body, in our cells, in our tissues, right? And so we're just about walking, to go yep. yeah, yeah. We're like a walking memory bank, right, of all of those past emotions, and so. No kidding, like, yeah, it might take like 20 calls to cry it all out. Okay, because we've been building it up for so freaking long, right? Uh, but then the, the other side too is is like, yeah, as business owners, how many times are we frustrated? Like the tech crashes, the Zoom call goes bad or we got the wrong time zone. Like all of these things can be <laughs> weighing down on us. And if we ignore them and don't deal with them, then we're just storing it in our body and we're built and it's building up.
1: So, shove it yeah. down shove it down yep you know i was we always bring up the your body keeps the score or whatever that book is but there <laughs> is you know the thing is is when we don't deal with our emotions they don't just go away <laughs> our body takes them and they can manifest into literal physical things or it can be lingering anxiety or it can be burnout or it can be a million different things but um i was actually going to say this about mariah what i appreciated about in that container shout out to Erin Lindstrom was when you started crying she did not and in fact she pointed this out she said i'm not going to go get the box of tissues for you she said get it out and she just encouraged it she was like let it out it's a release and i think a lot of us have spent our whole lives trying to control our emotions and hold them so tightly and so it was such a liberating thing to have someone say like crying's great i and i feel like normally like the parent is like stop crying stop crying it's okay here's the tissues stop crying and so to see someone be like this is you releasing some emotions that need to get out. What a wonderful yeah. thing. Kind of what you were talking about yeah. earlier, like celebrating the strength and the bravery there. And all of a sudden, now it's this cool, empowering thing, and we're all growing.
2: Yeah. Mariah, so here, here's another tangible point for you is that not giving you the tissues, that was level six. If they'd given you the tissues, that would have been level four, compassion.
0: Interesting. So,
2: so, so th- that's an, another example of how you're empowering that person to go, okay, cry it out. You're free reign, like go. You know, or if you want to vent, like you want to yell because your supplier didn't send you what you needed and you're not going to launch your campaign, yell. Like, if that's what it takes. If you need to go for a run, you know, we all have different ways of releasing, but release that energy. Don't store it in.
1: Yeah. Yeah. There's something about having your release valve and knowing what that is. I always think about uh, did you guys see the Mr. Rogers documentary by any chance? Yes. They asked him, they said, like, what do you do when you get upset? And he's like, I play the piano or I go on a swim. (laughs) He was like, he had like two practices and they were like, you never seem mad. You don't seem emotionally volatile. You're so level-headed. And he's like, I have two things. I play the piano or I go on a swim. And I've always thought like, he knew what his release valves were and he used them to fill his cup every day because he had to carry a lot. And I always thought that was such a, cool idea of like, what is my release valve? And am I allowing myself to release? Because a lot of us, it doesn't have to be verbal. It doesn't, it could be screaming into a pillow. It could be a run. It could be like Mariah and I talk about there's breath work and trauma release exercises. There's all kinds of things you can do, but I think allowing yourself to release, acknowledge that you have a lifetime stored up perhaps in having some releasing practices can also be really powerful.
2: Yeah. I love that idea of a release valve. Like what's your release valve?
1: Mr. Rogers. <laughs> That's <what> I, think. <laughs> Thanks.
2: I used to watch it all the time. So like, I totally related to that. <laughs> like, how does that guy do that?
1: <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Yeah, look. Go ahead, Brian. I'm sorry.
0: Uh, no, I was just going to say this uh, came up yes- yesterday specifically. So I've been doing like a gallbladder and a a liver detox And who the fuck knows how long this detox is going to take. But I'm noticing just uh, little days where it feels crunchy. And yesterday was one of those days where it felt crunchy. And I was like, what can I do? Because me, I'm just like, I'm going to get work done. I'm just going to work. And I love work. And I'm going to answer these emails and do this SEO audit. And I'm going to blah, blah, blah. And I find that my mind is literally like, what the fuck are you thinking like we're not focused on work right now like i can't do work you have things bubbling up to the surface and so I just like went in the bedroom and I closed the door and I went into like a meditative state and just allowed myself to like shake a little bit into deep breathe. And I was getting just like images of, you know, like shitty things that happened when I was a teenager and just like sent her so much love. And I'm like, what? And I named the emotion that I was feeling. Mm-hmm. I went from bitter to frustration and had to relieve the different layers that were there from that memory because it wasn't just that I was bitter. I was also frustrated and I was also very angry. And so just allowing myself to do that. And I swear to God, you can even ask Andrew, I was a different person the second half of the day. The first half of the day we went to the gym and I was like, this is how I'm going to release it. And my body was like, no, that's not how we want to release it. In order to release it, you need to feel it. And I was like, this is bullshit. I'm going to work. And then of course it wasn't until like I allowed myself to feel it that it actually moved through. So saying all of this, to give our listeners just an example of like, sometimes people will say, scream into a pillow. Sometimes they'll say, go for a run, play the piano. Sometimes that's not deep enough. And it's not that you're doing it right. You're not doing it in a way that it is allowing your body to feel the very thing that it is trying to move through. So I'm not saying that every time you're sad, you have to like, cry and crumble to the ground and like whatever but it's like maybe you do have to feel the sadness and maybe some tears will be shed so (laughs) it's like allowing yourself to bring that in because I find when I bring that emotion in and I allow myself to feel it and I'll find myself saying like it's safe to feel this now you can feel this now because I'm giving my body that safe space to feel it's been a fucking game changer because like <clears throat> stress balls don't do it. It's not connecting the mind and the body and the spirit and everything. It's literally just a physical thing. And I'm just like, fuck the stress ball, light it on fire. It's not helping anything.
2: Yeah. I, Shay, I, you're probably going to jump on this, but like, there's, you were talking about the being, the doing and the having earlier. And so what I love about Mariah, what you just shared was like you are trying to do something to relieve that stress or the anxiety. So And then it didn't work right so you're in the doing and so what'd you do you went back into the being and then this gets into that deep shadow work like you know the people that go and and help get into the that deep stuff that's bothering us and what we can do right is we can um actually live and feel and be as if we are in that space and just be present in it Mm -hmm. and acknowledge it and go okay and if it's a cry, great. If it's a yell, if it's a whatever, but it we're we're in now we're there. Now we're there, we're being. Mm. And and so when we're being, that's where the greater chance of healing is because now we're dealing with the cause. Sometimes when we're doing, we're dealing with the effect. But now what we're really doing is we're going back to the cause and we're addressing the cause, and that's where healing comes.
1: Yeah, I love that. And to Mariah's point, it's like you're giving you rewiring your brain that I can be and I can be safe there's safety here my emotions aren't bad or good they're just emotions and like I can be here and feel them and I'm okay right and maybe that wasn't true in the past but it is true now right so what do we need to rewire and I think there's something really cool about I like that you tied it back to the the be do have I I'm, and Mariah is really great about giving yourself the space you need to just, you can't really define how you need to work through it, but you can make some space and some stillness and you can just like honor what comes up. And she doesn't try to force it. And she doesn't try to make it be in a certain way. She just like lets it happen. And that for me is really inspiring because I struggle like, I'm like, okay, I'll do all my things. And then it's solved. Right. So that was really great. Right.
2: Oh yeah, like guy, like it is the guy mentality. Like, okay, we gotta do something, like we gotta fix this. Like, you got a problem? Okay, how do we fix it? Well, oh, okay. Yeah, we can do that, but (laughs) but so like like, Mariah, like you are so strong on that. Like your ability to go back and be in that space and and be present with it. That that's more power. It really is.
0: Well, thank you. I appreciate that reflection, both of you. To be honest, I feel like I've just gotten to a space where it's like, I can't not do it. I can't. If I don't sit in it, I will be crunchy for the rest of my life. And I can't have that. How can I fucking interview somebody on the podcast and if I'm fucking feeling crunchy? Like just, <laughs> my schedule will not allow too much crunch. So I have to sit and figure out and just explore what is the crunch.
1: Um, Sounds like a new um,
2: podcast topic.
0: <laughs> that's a great one the, Great idea the crunch okay. of life
1: I have a little rabbit hole I can't get out I want to go down with you Michael you mentioned something about the brain heart gut connection which is something that has recently piqued my curiosity um, I had a, a past client who's also a doctor talk about she calls it heart math our heart congruence yeah. mm-hmm. and there's literally science now that shows like we can feel each other <laughs> and our yeah. hearts sync up and like it's yes. a vibe is a real thing and we're proving it with data and so would you i don't know a ton around that but would you mind sharing like what you've learned about the connection between the three
2: yeah so um interestingly enough i've gone through a heart math certification course to help train people on heart math no eat. way that's crazy yeah. <laughs> so it's funny you bring that up it, not, not a coincidence at all <laughs> um but yeah so so right so so our heart Like I was talking earlier, it has a certain number of neurons and, um, it's sending out frequency or sending out information. And when we're in our head, we're, we're usually thinking with beta brain waves. And when we slow down and get into meditation, we then drop into alpha. Same thing when we go to bed at night. Like if we can get past the thoughts and we start, you know, falling asleep, we go into alpha and then into theta and, and at theta is where the brain becomes programmable. That's where we're suggestible for information. And so what HeartMath has done in their science is they've looked at, hey, that electromagnetic field that the heart is producing, when the brain is not telling the heart information, that beta messed up, like all, all those crazy thoughts that we're having, we're sending all that information down to the heart. And so the heart's you know, having to deal with it. But when it's the other way around, when the heart is the dominant brain, and our brain is at rest, then the heart is naturally gonna go into its own rhythm. And when it does, it sends information now to the brain and the brain and the heart then get into
0: coherence.
2: So when we're when the mind is in control and driving and we're thinking all of our thoughts, we're incoherent. But when the heart's in control, then we are coherent. and And the effects of that are One is we feel more at peace. And the more we feel the emotions of love, you know, compassion or joy or whatever, then our heart muscle actually, no kidding, gets stronger and puts out a stronger electromagnetic field. And so our vessels swell, like the heart becomes engorged with love, basically. And so that information is pouring into our brain at that point. And then what happens is our autonomic nervous system gets that information and it starts sending positive information to our body and our body starts healing itself. It starts repairing damaged cells, damaged tissues. And so the advantage of getting the heart and the brain into coherence is the ability for the body to then correct itself and heal. And so, yeah, at nighttime, the body does that. But if we can do that during the day and do some breast-centered things or whatever it is to get the heart and the brain into coherence, then we're actually helping our body out. And then, oh my gosh, we feel better too.
0: This is Joe Dispenza shit. He just explained Joe Dispenza. (laughs) Joe and heart math. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Fascinating. I didn't realize that. I think that that, nice question, shit.
2: Yeah, really good question. Well,
0: I... Um,
1: my husband has heart health issues and I got into that world researching stuff for him, like how to strengthen the heart. And then I I would talk into this former client of mine and I'm like, Oh my gosh, like there's some really cool data points here that apply to a lot of different aspects of my life. And so it's a, it's kind of an emerging field, right? It's something that we're really learning a lot more about and it's evolving.
2: Yeah, it, it, and you know the HeartMath Group has been around for actually a number of years, and mm-hmm. and they just have finally gotten to the point where it's gaining traction. So they've they've been putting the information out for a while now, but the ways that they, you know, they do training courses. Now they've got this really cool product. It's it's basically you clip a little thing onto your ear, and then and um and it's a sensor, and it's tied into a, an app on your phone, so it's a Bluetooth connection. And you can actually watch what's called heart rate variability. And if you're in the upper zone, your heart and brain are in coherence. And so for like your husband, what you could do is get that product and, and have him start training with it. And it's hard to start with because frankly, we we don't do it (laughs) that often where we get our heart, uh, the more dominant one. And so, but you can do it and it's, it's, it's not hard, uh, after, after practicing a few times, and then it just becomes natural. And so, there's a breath you do. You just kind of visualize the air going in and out of the chest. And then you think of a positive emotion and you dwell on that space. And that puts you into that heart rate variability coherence um, using their app. So they've got some great products out there, but but I would recommend for anybody in the audience and then for your husband is like, yeah, check it, check that thing out because that thing is really cool. I use it uh, quite a bit to like, okay, I'm feeling crappy. I'm feeling crunchy to, to borrow (laughs) Mariah's word, right? I'm feeling crunchy. I need, I need, I need some heart mass stuff.
1: Yeah. Oh, I love that. Thanks for encouraging me to reopen that. Um, cause I had kind of put it down for a minute. I didn't know they had a little device or something, but the idea of heart rate variability, we don't want to keep Michael here all day. But I feel like I could though, is an interesting concept. And I actually talk about it with my therapist, but I've seen it pop up with his health stuff too. It, it, it's good for physical and mental health. It's a really interesting idea. So I kind of, that's like my current rabbit hole right now that I'm in, but Mariah, you just put your finger up. What's up?
0: Yeah. I was just going to say, this is something that I follow this girl on Instagram because she's like a, a functional health coach or something. And she's been spewing about heart rate variability forever. And I was just like, I thought it was just like a, it means my metabolism is better. Get sun in your eyes in the morning and then your metabolism will be better. And so the fact that it has a deeper meaning to it, because like her talking about it all the time almost made me go and buy some like a monitor thing. But now that I'm hearing about it, I'm like, wait, I kind of want to open this can of worms and kind of track it for myself. Even though part of me is like a little scared of what that number is right now. It's like, oh God, where where are we going to start? Where Where's the heart at?
2: Yeah. Oh my, oh my gosh. I, let me tell you my experience because you, you'll totally relate to it. Like, I, so I, I got it. I, I hook it up and and um like I am, in the red. Like I, I'm not, I'm not up in the green. And so my heart is failing. Di- Somebody, my heart that. is failing. I suck at this. Right, <laughs> I went level one energetically, like right away. And so, But, um, you know, everybody's different, but like they have this little dot that moves across the screen. They said, okay, just focus on the dot. And so what it did is it got me into this, not thinking about anything else. I slowed my brain beta brainwaves down. And so I was just sort of in this my own induced trance watching the dot go back and forth and suddenly I start the, the thing started moving up out of the red into the green.
0: You're like, and I'm so good at this. I've never been better at this.
2: I know, right? And I'm like, okay, I'm just gonna do the dot. And then I'd be like, okay, what time's that next appointment? And oh, do I have to prepare for that thing? And oh wait, what's the next one? Boo! Right back into the red. <laughs> so so like a classic example of how like you know, you you can be, it's pretty easy to get up into the green, but then can you sustain it? Can you, can you stay there? And that's what meditation is all about, right? Can you stay present with the moment and and not start wandering off in your thoughts? Can you stay present and enjoy the moment? Can you feel that higher level emotion? And when you do like, guess what? Yeah, you're in the green, but now that you're going even higher into the green because you're feeling that stronger, positive emotion. And it's a muscle. It, you, not like you were talking earlier, like we're rewiring our brain. So if we're doing that more and more, it's natural and more easy for us to get up into the green. So, so yeah, there are times where like it's a crunchy day and I'm out of the green all the time, <laughs> but I can get, but through practice, you can get back up and stay in the, in the green there.
1: Wow. I'm just sitting here like blown away, thinking about the percentage of my life that is spent in past thinking what's what's happened or what's going to happen versus presence watching the dot go back and forth. And interesting connecting that to what you're saying about brain waves and how many of us spend our whole lives not being present. I really, there's power and presence that comes up in every single episode, but what's so cool about all of this is we're now connecting data and science to it and grounding it down. You know, we're taking this kind of fluffy idea, even people roll their eyes at meditation and stillness and quiet, but like, it's really powerful. And when you can build the muscle, you can tap into it and have more and more of it.
2: Yeah. It's really, everybody obviously is unique and you were talking about, you know, thinking about the past and thinking about the future. And so, you know, Eckhart Tolle talks about the power of now, right? Mm -hmm. And so if we're focused on the now, we're being present with the moment, right? Dr. Joe talks about it too, but, but here's the thing is like, now you're tying science with it because now I've got this gadget that can help me stay in the now, that will help me train and stay in the now. So I'm not thinking about the past or not thinking about the future as much. And what are we doing? Well, we're incrementally healing our body. We're incrementally making it that much better. We're creating the space to mentally get out of the fog and do our creative stuff that we need to do as a creative. We're able to tap into our intuition where it can be curious about where what's going on and we're less, you know, worrying about
1: the past or worrying about the future.
0: Cool. Add to cart on that fucking device. So
1: cool. Uh, Really quickly, I have one more thing I want you to explain. You used a word I haven't heard before, but when you said it, I felt like I had like intuitive understanding. Would you talk to us about non-local intuition versus local intuition if that's the other side of it?
2: Yeah, so very simply local, I mean the physical three-dimensional world. And so we we sense physically in some way uh, that there's that there's something there that we're we're connecting to something. We may not know what it is, but we're sensing and connecting. So because it's local. Non-local is this is where you get into quantum theory, is like, okay, well, there are an infinite number of universes out there, infinite number of possibilities in the quantum. So what we're doing with the non-local is we're tapping into all those potential infinite possibilities. And so maybe one of those possibilities might be a solution to a problem you've been worrying about for four months. And where did that come from? It seemed to come out of the blue, but really we tapped into the unified field and pulled that, that additional thought in. And maybe it was a spirit guide telling us and whispering in our ear, you know, maybe it was God, maybe it was our higher self, who knows what's on the other side some people can see, they're clairvoyant, somebody can, use you know, is clairaudient and they can hear, you know, some people have these great intuition gifts that they've developed or they've been given, like people who've had near-death experiences, they come back and they have these amazing capabilities, right? So, so our capabilities are all unique is what I'm saying, but not any of those that are the non-physical realm, the quantum field, if you will.
0: Oh,
1: fascinating. I love this stuff. I feel like we just came up with three more podcast episode topics here at the end. Thank you for letting me like rapid fire some questions at you. This stuff is so interesting to me. I love learning more about it. Well, clearly it's interesting to me and
2: and three of us because we could talk about it like all day long and we've obviously studied it and tried to integrate it in our lives. And then I think what's really a testament to the podcast is like, hey, and here's how we use it. Like, here's how it can benefit you. And that's what I love about your podcast is like, hey, it's not just like woo-woo stuff. It's like, no, we can take it and then go use it and, and deal with life and make our life better. So I, I think that's a wonderful thing.
0: That's very helpful. We are looking to uh, rework the website currently before season three comes out. And uh, the feedback about what people love about it is truly helping us kind of navigate that. So that feedback is very helpful and I kind of just want to uh say thank you for coming on here. I think that your perspective was something that we really haven't had on the podcast. To be honest, we haven't had very many men on the podcast. And the way that you explain intuition and stuff and I picked this up from the very first conversation we had. I think I was Gushing about it to you, I would literally it was just like, "Oh my god!" You explain it in such a like uh, a grounded and structured, foundational way that also ties it in. Like I understand why, especially in the corporate world, executive people or that type of mind would gravitate towards the way that you explain it because it's very like uh, matter of fact feeling. Do you know what I mean? I'm just like, yeah, well, like this, and then the heart has 40,000 neurons and like X plus Y equals Z and like whatever, whatever. Where it's me, I'm just like, yeah, but like, you just feel it.
2: <laughs> right. <laughs> and so, uh, and yeah, that's... I
0: just appreciate your perspective.
2: Well, thank you. I appreciate that uh, as well. And the funny thing I think is like, you know, the, the stereotypes, women have intuition and men don't, mm-hmm. right? Or, you know, if you're a super analytical left brain person, you can't have intuition. I think that's crap. Yep. And and the more we develop our intuition, um, I think the wiser we are, the greater consciousness we have, especially as a collective. And, um, and I think when we are aware of our intuition, we actually make much better choices. And we can bring harmony when there's so much conflict in the world, so much toxicity, right? And, and so if we can tap into our intuition and teach people how to do that, we're elevating consciousness and changing the world.
0: Mic drop. Mic drop for Michael. (laughs) Killing it. Body chills. That was incredible. (laughs) Way to wrap it up
1: with a nice bow, Michael. Thank you. (laughs) Um, Okay, we have one question we ask at the end. What's your current rabbit hole? Where are your current curiosities um, flowing these days?
2: Oh, boy. Um, I think intuition and like developing that is always a rabbit hole for me. Um, My latest thing is I've actually gotten into Kriya Yoga so i've been doing dr joe's meditation work and like uh amazing like that's been like my passion for the past two or three years but now i'm incorporating some yoga practices and some breath work and things like that to kind of help that energy move around a little bit more in the body and so that's a whole new field for me but now that i've experienced energy in my body and like i used to believe like that was a bunch of crap but now i'm like oh no that's, that's some real stuff like okay, you convinced me. So, well, what can I do with that? And so Korea is kind of this new thing that I'm getting into and it's, it's interesting. So that's my new rabbit hole.
0: It's like, uh, I'm so coherent. Like (laughs) what what can I do with all this coherence?
1: (laughs) I've had a little taste of Korea yoga and it seems really cool. I'm excited to hear more about that.
2: Yeah. Like, you know, we talk about our third eye mm-hmm. like no kidding there is a, a gland in our brain that is the third eye well whether you believe in god or not like somebody somehow that got created and that's in us so how are we supposed to use that how, mm-hmm. how can we how can we harness that and um and i think intuition's kind of that leads that direction but but some of this some there are many practices out there that can strengthen that and use it better and so kriya seems to be one of them that are in addition to dr joe's work
0: that's cool i'm gonna look into that i've never heard of it but It just reminds me of this thing that I was going off on a tangent about literally yesterday with Andrew. I was like, and they say that we have junk DNA. How stupid. (laughs) I'm just like, you think that God as intelligent or whoever put junk DNA in our body? Like this fucking stupid. So yeah, I just went off on a tangent that just reminded me of it. Okay. So can you just tell our listeners where they can find you, where they can connect with you if there's ways to work with you?
2: Yeah, sure. I would love to reach out to, and just have a conversation with people. Like sometimes you just need to be heard. And uh, and so I, I'm happy to, to provide that for people. But uh, they can reach me at sipecoaching.com. So S I P E coaching.com. And then I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, that's where I am as well. You find my profile under Michael Sipe Consulting. And I've also, uh, I'll have a webpage called Curiously Guided. And so we'll do a little promotional thing there where they can come in and um, if they've been working with you or listen to the podcast, then we can have a little additional like extra work that's a bonus work for them.
0: Okay, cool. Yeah, we'll put all of those links. And thank you so much.
1: We're uh, thrilled.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So we're going to put all of those links in the episode show notes themselves but I think that we're ready to close this episode down so if you guys enjoyed this episode feel free to share it with somebody that you think would love it share it on social media share it with your mom share it with your grandma share it with uh the cashier at the local grocery store literally anybody that'll listen if you liked it and if something popped out to you totally dm us we seriously love connecting with you guys
1: And as always, thank you so much for listening and for your continued support. If you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review so we can all continue to grow together. And until next time, remember that you have the power to create whatever the hell you want. Follow the nudge, ask questions, and let curiosity guide the way. We'll see you in the next episode.